And feel free to stay afterwards and talk with people. I, that's a good problem that once people get talking, they want to keep going, I think. One of the things that uh, happened for me this week is uh, different ones were talking to me about uh, coming and speaking at different things, asking me about uh, recent teaching that I did someplace else and asked about what it was about and coming, etc. And then one of the people said, well, do you have uh, anybody in your church who is able to cover for you while you're gone? And I said, I have the wonderful privilege and problem of having many people who are very, very gifted as speakers and preachers of the gospel. And I'm thrilled that we have that opportunity today because I was gone all week, it was just a full week. So knowing I would be gone, I asked someone to come and speak for us today. So I had contacted first her husband to make sure it was okay. And then I contacted her and uh, she readily agreed to be a speaker today. So would you please welcome one of our very own, Sarah. All right, good morning. It has been a while since I've done this. <laughs> so it shouldn't be too bad. <laughs> Actually, it's a really a big honor to be here in front of you guys and to share this message that I have. Um, knowing like all of you are so qualified and to stand up and share what God has given you. And so to be able to share something back to you guys is a real honor and a privilege. So thank you for listening. Um, I want to begin by wishing all of you a happy Women's Day. The 8th of March is International Women's Day, and though we don't celebrate it here in America, it's a big deal everywhere else. <laughs> happy Women's Day. Yeah, it's huge. That's right. Well, happy Women's Day. I'm glad that you're here, and I can wish that to you. Um, all right, so uh, last mm, two Sundays ago, I wasn't here because I was home ill, um, you know, with the flu that was going around. So unfortunately, I wasn't able to teach my Sunday school lesson. So I was going to ask, with your permission, if I could teach my Sunday school lesson. Does that make it okay, Miss Ashley, for missing my teaching? Will I be all good? Oh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Way kidding. All right, but I really would love to invite all of the kids up to the front pew because I want to read the Bible story to them today. So if you are 12 to 5, right? Or if you identify with any of those ages, come and sit in the front pew. Okay, for the rest of you, I will be reading, what I'll be reading is the parable of the vine workers. And this is found in Matthew 20, if you want to follow along. Oh, do we have enough room for everybody? Maybe they scooch together. Oh, that's good. That's good. She found a solution. All right. But I will be reading to them from my big book of Bible stories. So this is, the, this is Matthew 20, chapter 1 through 16. All right, so 
The parable of the vine yard workers. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. So you think that the words must have gotten reversed. Well, I'll tell you a secret. That's what I thought too. But oh, not anymore, and soon neither will you. A man had a vineyard, an honest, fair man, and this honest, fair man really needed a hand. I'll give you all one whole denarius each, if you're willing to work, he besought and beseeched. In my fields for the day, where you'll trudge and you'll traipse, back and forth, up and down, as you harvest my grapes. Now, one whole denarius, that was some loot, just for trudging and traipsing and picking up fruit. We've all hit the jackpot, the workers yahoodled. To pass up this deal, we'd be out of our noodle. So they worked, yes they did. They picked and they plucked, they scooped and scampered and toot and tucked. They gave thanks to the Lord for their awesome good lucks. For quite soon, they'd be making some mega bucks. They worked very hard. Yes, they gave it their best. They all huffed and they puffed without taking a rest. But they couldn't keep up. So right back into town went that honest fair man to see who could be found that would rather be working than standing around. He went back there at nine, noon, and three on the dot. Yes, he went back there four times to the very same spot. And every last time, he just gave the same speech. One whole bright, shiny denarius each. And they run for his fields like kids at the beach. Oh, and wouldn't you know, they all got the work done. Yes, they plucked every grape out there under the sun. And that honest, fair man was as pleased as could be. They'd done what they said, and now yes, so would he. What a beautiful, wonderful sight, thought the man. Everyone worked so hard. Now, I think we can call it quits for the day. And with that, I will say, it was fun. Thanks a ton. Come pick up your pay. Call up the paymaster. Give them their dough. Tell them all, thank you, and then they can go. Line them all up so the last ones are first. Give them their one tiny, bright, shiny, mine finally pure silver coin so they'll all be reimbursed. Now, one whole denarius, that was some loot, just for trapsing and traipsing and picking up fruit. But the men who were hired way back at the first were beginning to think their deal was the worst. Now listen up here, mister. They start, we started at dawn. You're paying those new guys the same. Oh, come on. We've been robbed, they all shouted. They huffed and puffed. Now, what do we get? We get not near enough. Well, that honest, fair man knew those men were upset, but he gave each man what he said they would get. So he opened his heart. He had something to say. The thing that he said really blew them away. I gave each of you what I said you would get. 
and I knew you worked hard. But don't ever forget, I never said those who worked more were the best. I gave all men the same, no, no one more, no one less. God's love can't be earned. If it could, we would boast. He loves all men the same. He loves no man the most. You can bop till you drop. It's okay, but it's true. We will never depend on how much you can do. When you come unto him, he will come unto you. That's a pretty good deal, I would say. Wouldn't you? All right. That's the end of the story. Okay, you guys can go back to your parents, but before you go, I want you to be ready because we're going to have some Bible drills, okay? All right, go back to your seats. Go back to your seat. All right, what a good bunch of kids. All right, so in Matthew, the parable in the Bible begins with the very familiar words that a lot of parables begin with. The kingdom of heaven is like. Um, and I counted seven parables describing the kingdom of heaven. And this one, the story of the, vine, the vineyard workers, um, it outlines God's grace. Though the theme of the parable, that's the theme of the parable, there's something else that I want to look at today. Um, so the kingdom of heaven is the vineyard, vineyard, and God is the vine dresser. And so then that makes us the workers. Then what is our job? And what are these grapes? Like really practical, what does that look like? What does that mean? Um, what are we doing there? And so, to answer this question, I would like you to invite you all to participate in a Bible drill. And if you don't know what a Bible drill is, you, that means that you take your Bible with the binder in your hand so that your fingers aren't in it. I know some of you. See, Jocelyn's is upside down. Thanks for showing us the correct way. Awesome. Put it in the air. And I'm going to read you the Bible verse. This is what we do in Sunday school class. And when I say go, you can open up and find it as fast as you can. All right? So we're going to be looking for Matthew 28, verse 19. That's so Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Are you ready? Oh, Bible's in the air. Oh, we got some people started before I said go. Okay. Go. Oh, yeah, and the one who finds it first gets to read it. Amen. Great job. Gold star for Mark. All right, so he read, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them. Um, so, this verse can answer that question, what are we doing? We are going to the nations and making disciples. And this verse is known as the Great Commission. And this is what God is giving us a task for all of us to do, is to go into the world. And that's the, the vineyard, to go and to harvest and to reach the nations. And many of us, we hear this commission, and we think of it like a commandment. Like a parent 
you know, to a child perhaps, like, go, I said go, go do this, put your shoes on, get in the car. Like, there's lots of commandments that parents give children. And we hear it, and we, maybe we can feel like the same thing, like God's telling us, go to the world. And we're like, oh boy, that sounds like a lot of work. Like, I, maybe like one place, maybe, like I get a plane ride and go, but that's kind of pricey, like the whole world. Like, wow. But I took the time to look up this word, commission. And I found that it says the act of entrusting a person or a group with um, authority or power. So the word entrusting really stood out to me here, that it's not so much as a command, but it's an entrusting. And God is entrusting us. And what is it that he's entrusting to us? What is it that he's giving to us? Um, and that's his heart. God's entrusting us with his heart in this verse. He's saying, my heart is for the nations. It's for the people. It's not for, like, you know, one group of people in Warsaw, but it's for everyone in every nation, every group. That's what God's heart is for. It's for people. And when we, God is giving us his heart, and when we get his heart, then the idea of going out and reaching people is easy and it's not overwhelming it's what we'll do naturally is to reach out to all people um, so can we all agree on what our job would be in the vineyard can we good okay is to go um, and we're tasked in God's vineyard is to make disciples of all nations um, in, in this verse, it, it says in the end that, um, Lo, I will be with you always, even to the end. But how, if God is with us, but like, how are we going to get this done? Like, okay, we have the heart of God for people, but like, what's going to move us? Like, what's going to be the power? What's going to be driving us, the force? Like, you know, because some of us are pretty good at sitting and not moving. What's going to move us, right? So, second Bible drill. Last one, I promise. Okay? I was in the air, go Jocelyn, you knew you could do this one. Okay, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1, go. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Go ahead, Jocelyn's got it. Stand up. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. Okay, okay, good. So if I speak without love, okay. If I speak without love, I am a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Though I have gifts of prophecy and understanding all mystery and knowledge, this is the rest, I didn't ask her to read it, and have faith and could move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. How many of you have heard this verse before? Really? I don't think that. Okay. Well, I would like to bring this verse to life today. Okay, Ruslan, if you go, he's going to come help me minister this. Just what exactly a clashing symbol sounds like. Okay, respond. 
here you go. Just give us a big crash. Awesome. Can you imagine hearing that all day? Just a loud crash. That's all you are. When you open your mouth, crash. People don't get much out of it. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> it's because he has the love of God, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm treading on you know, this water. So, the love of God is the power that can affect change in people's hearts and the minds of men. And it's the love of God that can move us to reach out to people. And it's the love of God that changes us. And to be honest, if it hasn't affected your heart and mind, then you're a sounding brass and a clanging cymbal. And we desperately need to know the love of God in order that we can show God's love. Um, and I think that this is what, something that we can get from this parable as well, is um, it shows us a, an aspect of God's love. Um, there's three things that I found from this parable that really stood out to me representing God's love. And it's shown through three groups of the workers. The first, the first group, the middle group, I put together like the third, the sixth, and the ninth hour, kind of like the middle of the day people. And then the, the last people coming, the last group of workers. And so each group kind of showed me a different aspect of God's love. Um, so here's our vine dresser. He, I, for whatever reason, he's on a tight d deadline. Maybe there's like a storm coming or you just got to get done in one day, harvest all his grapes. Um, so he goes to town, and I imagine that it's not just he kind of goes into town and like, hey, you're not doing anything, come with me. I would imagine that there's a spot where the day workers might come together and they know what's going to happen. They're coming, looking for work. So they're going to be there on time, you know, probably early in the morning. They want to be there first in line to get picked for the best jobs. You know, they know what's going on. They get up bright and early. They get in line and they're waiting. And then someone comes, this vine dresser comes, and he is looking for them. And he finds them. And this first group, they're ready and they're waiting for him. And he comes and we can see um, in verse 2, he lays it out. And it says that he agreed with them for a denarius a day. And he sent them to the vineyard. So he told them specifically what he's going to pay this first group. And they understood exactly what they were going to get for their work. And they kind of knew the arrangement. It was perfectly outlined for them. I'll go there. I'll work all day. I'll get paid. This is a good deal. I'll take it. And they agreed. And for this group, I really see that they have an identity. They, they know where, the, where they belong. They know what they're going to do. This is their boss for the day. All right, this is me. This is, this is going to be me for the day. And they grab a hold of that. And this is their identity. And God's love for us can be our identity. We can identify ourselves. And I really, this really hit home to me a couple years ago when I was traveling in China. And... If you will all imagine yourselves there with me. I was on an old bus, sitting on a seat, 
and whatever you have in your mind of what it would be like on a bus, turn it back 50 years. <laughs> like talking about holes in the floor and the metal is worn and there's no paint, it's just metal you're holding on to. Maybe the seat is just like a plywood with some vinyl on it, you know. You lean your head against the window that's in the stuck down position. And looking out the window, I see the dust that never really seems to settle as people are going and, co and coming and going about their day. And I see these women, and they're Muslim women, and they're wearing headscarves, as they might normally do. And except these headscarves aren't like a nice, beautiful, you know, nice folded so it goes around their ears beautifully or tied in a nice knot. Actually, these headscarves are made of a wool-like material, so it's kind of scratchy, um, hot, and it's on their heads, and in fact, it's covering their head completely. And then Elizabeth, if you could put the picture up, there she's got it, her head is open, and the next one, there. You see, they just cover their heads. And to my eyes, unfamiliar with this sight, it really just looked like they put a blanket over their head. And for the whole time I was there, I never quite got used to seeing this. Like, and sitting on that bus watching these women go by, I, I talked to myself and I said, like, but why? Like, why would you do that? Like, but why? Like, it's a nagging question. Like, why? And I, and I heard God answer that, even though I was really just talking to myself, I heard God said, because it's their identity. And these particular women, they are living in a place where there's a majority, they are the majority, but then there's a ruling another, um, <laughs> I'm trying to be, like the majority ruling is not their culture or people. So they're kind of oppressed in a way. And so they don't want to in any way identify with the other people. So they want to take every measure to identify with as themselves and as Muslims and to show everyone who looks at them, there's no question, I'm not you, I am something else. Like, they want to show everyone their identity and so they wear these scarves and you can see the picture, that's, you would say, wow, that must be Muslim or something, that's not me. Um, and so they wear it proudly and that's who they are. Um, but when, I, when God said it to me, that's their identity, I thought, oh wow. And God quickly followed it up by asking me, Sarah, What's your identity? What are you wearing? What do people see when they look at you? And it's like, hmm, wow, wow. And quickly God said, Sarah, my love can be your identity. And my love covers you. And just like you can imagine how hot that would be, wearing like a hot, you know, wool scarf over your head. Like God's love is warm and it covers you and it can keep you. And when people look at you, the first thing that they're going to see is my love because it's your identity and it's who you are. And people will see that you belong to me. And that's the first thing that I saw um, for, with this first group is that they really identified with that vine dresser and that job that they had for that day. That was their identity. Thanks for okay. <clears throat> But now, it, with that in mind, that that's their identity, um, there are things that can block, like this first group, there's something that can be a block in their life to receiving the love of God or knowing the love of God or even, or even letting the love of God flow through them and to reach out to others, and that could be pride. Um, and we can see that in verse 11, 
and 12. When the, when the vine dresser's going to pay them, the, what they say to him is that they complain. And they say, the last men have only worked one hour, and you have made them equal to us. Ouch. They're complaining. You made those guys equal to us. So we can see their heart. They feel superior to the others. You know, you made them equal to us. Like, that's not cool. Like, we can see their heart right away, that they have pride in their heart. They identified with, I am the worker here. I don't know who those people are. I was here first. And that pride can be a hindrance and a block to the love of God flowing through you and keeping you from reaching and knowing what God has like we said, the commission, what God has entrusted to us, his heart. So let's move on to the second group of people. Now, the vine dresser, this starts at the third hour. I don't know when he started thinking about it. But the third hour, he goes back to the um, spot to find more workers. Maybe the first group, he's like, mm, we're not going to get it done in time. Let's go get more people. But another thing is I think that he represents God and God's always going to go back and he's going to keep looking and he's not going to stop with the first group and say that's enough I was there at the right time if they didn't make it sorry no God's going to keep coming back at the third hour at the sixth hour at the ninth hour he's going to keep coming back looking for his people who's there who wants to come he's going to keep coming back for us and so he goes back and return looking for them and he says to them Come, let's go. I'll do what is right for you. And these, um, these workers, they, they represent all of us who are late to the party. Maybe something you did, your own choice, you, you stayed up too late, or you know you made some bad decisions, and you couldn't be there on time in the morning. You knew you needed to get a job that day. You knew you needed to be there at such a time, and you just didn't make it, and you're late. So you're standing there, and you're like, oh, some other people are late. Maybe it will work out okay. I don't know. I, I, I'm not perfect. I made mistakes, and I'm late. And I think a lot of us can identify because we're, you know, none of us are always on time. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what what this this group really shows me is that God's love gives us permission. It's gonna be okay. God says, it's, it's going to be okay. Just come with me. Come, work with me, and I'll do what is right to you. I'll give you what, you know, what is just. God says, it's okay, and he gives us permission to seek after him. Even if we mess up, you know, or, or maybe we feel like we didn't really mess up, but, man, the circumstances of my day or my life have really set me back. And God says, it's okay. It's okay. Um, even if you're late, even if you really messed up, it's okay. And God's love gives us that permission. Um, and this kind of reminds me of a story of a certain co-worker <laughs> um, at a certain place at a certain time. Um, and this co-worker was late to work. And um, very late. In fact, the, the fellow co-workers had to fill in and do the job of this particular person. And um, the word got around to the boss, and the boss called up this coworker. Where are you? 
your other workers, coworkers, are here and they're doing your job and they are not happy about it. This is not a friendly call. I remember those words very clearly. This is not a friendly call. Get here. <laughs> and like, I laughed when I heard those words. But um, good news. God is calling us, and it is a friendly call. He says, you're not here, you're late. Come, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. His call is friendly, and he loves us, and his love gives us permission. Come in. He's, he's there. He's going to accept you just as you are. So after the vine dresser, our vine owner, really bad about my vine terms, sorry, just confused. I'm throwing them around, sorry, it was confusing. So, but he, he goes back and back and back looking for them. And so he's got them in their field, things are going great, probably. Let's imagine that, again, I, I'm really sorry, Pastor Chris, but the third hour, fourth hour, I don't know what this happened though. Anyways, let's say the day ends at five. And it's four o'clock, so one hour left. Looks pretty good. You get most of the scrapes done. So, you know, work, work is coming along. One hour left. I think it's worth going and getting some more workers at the last hour. One hour left. Yes. This vine dresser says, yes, I'm going to go one more time. I'm going to go back. I'm going to look for one more time. Is there anyone else that wants to come work for me? I'm going to go look. Because as I said before, the love of God isn't going to stop looking for us and coming after us. Um, so we can, this, and this group shows us, I feel like, God's peace and his purpose he has for us. He goes back to, for the last group, the last hour, and we can see this in verse 6. He says to them, he sees people standing there, and he says to them, why have you been standing idle all day? And they say to him, because no one hired us. It's right there in the scripture. What attitude. They didn't say like, oh, I just got here, or, you know, oh, you know, I, I don't know, I'm slow, I'm not the fastest, I'm not the strongest. They say, because no one else hired us. And he says to them, you, go, I'll do what is right to you. And their, their answer to me, I can just hear their, they feel dejected, and they feel maybe a little resentful because no one hired them. And it's like their hearts are crying right there. No one believes in me. No one saw me. I feel overlooked. Maybe they feel like, the, you know, with the kids getting lined up for a game and they get picked last. Except this group didn't even get picked. There's only one hour left. It doesn't look like they're going to get work, you know, let's be honest. But that vine dresser showing us the love of God, he comes back for them. In that last hour, he comes back and he, he picks them. And he says that he has a purpose for them. And he gives them that peace, like, I came back for you because I saw you and I know you. Come. And he's calling them too. And this, I have one last story. And this story is a man Elizabeth, you put it the last story, named Robert Robertson. And Robert Robertson was born in 18th century England in a very poor home, poor family, and kind of left to scrounge and make his way in the world as difficult as 18th century, probably, right, even for the rich, <laughs> because 
they don't have our luxuries today, even like the simpler things, but he was in a bad way. And he kind of got mixed in with the round crowd, running around. Maybe it was a gang, I don't know. But uh, at one point in his life, as a young man, he and his friends um, attacked and beat up a gypsy. And at the point, you know, the threat of violence, they made this lady give them their fortunes. And the lady, she gave him a fortune saying, I see that you are going to live to see your children and your grandchildren. And hearing this story, in, I kind of think it's funny, like, sorry, <laughs> like, someone's going to beat you up. Oh, I see you're going to live a long life and see your grandkids. Oh, you're happy now. But to him, he didn't think it was funny. In fact, it really, like, struck a nerve with him. Like, oh, my goodness. If I'm going to have children and even grandchildren and live to see them all, man, I better do something with my life. Like, I don't want them to see what I'm doing now with myself. So he took that in his heart. And then a few years later, he found himself in a revival service, a Whitfield revival service. And there he met Jesus and changed his life. And... This is the man who wrote the words. Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger, interposed his precious blood. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a fetter, bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. And I feel like it so perfectly describes this last group. Jesus sought me when a stranger. They're the group, they, they're left out. They feel like a stranger to the rest of the group. But Jesus sought them and came after them. And he knows his heart's not perfect and is prone to wander, prone to leave what they know is right. But oh, to grace, how great a debtor. Um, and this, this group, I feel like their block to God's love is a deep hurt and wounds in their heart. They, they're kind of holding it, you know, in a closed hand. Like, I was hurt and I was looked over, I was passed over, or someone really hurt me. And it can, in, in we, maybe we come to know Christ, but we still hold that, you know, pretty close to us, something that happened to us. And until we let our open our hands and, and give it to God, until we can release that, God's love can't fully flow through us. We can't know God's love in a real, complete way. Um, and... Today, um, that's this. This is today what I wanted to share for this Bible. This, um, sorry, this parable is that God's love gives us identity, and God's love gives us permission. And with that permission, there's there's another there's a block that can hinder us um, for this third group, and that's the spirit of failure. Those are the people who tried once, maybe they were late. They gave, it a, they gave it a go, and maybe you guys have heard these words come out of your own mouth. Well, I'm not going to do that again. You know, oh, I really messed up. I'm not I'm just going to try. I'm not even going to go at it again. And that kind of spirit of failure can also keep us from knowing the love of God. 
so what I want to, and what my hope is today, and what I want us to all see is that the love of God, um, knowing the love of God will change our life completely. And I would love to say that it's an easy process, like a for, even a formula. Formulas are great. You know, A plus B plus C, done. Like, no, God's love, reach the nations, done. But it's not an easy formula, and it's, I can't even give you the steps because it's a process. It's a process to know the love of God and for the love of God to change our hearts and how we see people so that we can have what God entrusts into us, which is his heart, and we can have the heart of God. It's a process, and it can be messy because we're messy and we make mistakes, but God never gives up on us. He just can't stop loving us, and he is faithful. And for me personally, I want to let you guys in on the personal side of me. I grew up with the attitude of the first, the first group of workers that was totally me when I was younger. I loved the rules. You know, what are the rules? I'll follow them. We'll, we'll get the job done. I'll obey the rules. And I love justice. That's right. Things should be right. Especially as the oldest of six kids. Yeah justice. And I expected a lot of myself. I mean, I didn't always make my own expectations, but I held them, like, Sarah, you will do this, you know? And so I also expected the same of others. Um, and I, I didn't have to um, verbalize this to anybody or even say it out loud. I think others kind of picked up on it. And I remember to this day, walking into a room in this, in this building, and my friends saying, all rise, Judge Sarah is now in session. And they would go on to tease me for many years that I was too judgy. And honestly, inwardly, this broke my heart. Because I did love people. And, and I loved my friends. And I couldn't understand why they would think I'm judgy. Like, I, I didn't get it. Like, I just couldn't understand. Like, I'm not judging you, just do what you're supposed to. This is my heart, like, so conflicting. Um, but it wasn't until I began to really encounter the love of God, many times at Camp Judah, that God began to change my heart and began to change my perspective and how I looked and saw people. Um, I, I, I don't want to say that I see the world through God's eyes perfectly. It's a work in process. And, and, and as we encounter the love of God and as we come into worship, because that's a wonderful place to find the love of God is while we're worshiping. And as we read the word of God and as we serve others and serve in the church, the love of God will... God will speak to us and show us his love in ways we never expected. And as we travel through our life and we grow through different stages, we'll see the love of God in ways we hadn't understood before. As a mother, it is, I've opened my eyes to depths of God's love that as a young person I could never have imagined once you become a parent. And at each stage of life, there's new depths of the love of God that we're beginning to understand we hadn't even known before. And I'm here today with the hope that you will leave 
desire and a passion to know this love of God in your heart. Perhaps for the first time, or perhaps for a second, third, or hundredth time, that, that passion and hunger will never die. To say that, I knew you once and that's enough. No, we need to go after God every time. Every time we come into the worship or the service, or even every day when we open our Bibles to, to search out for God, that we're after the heart of God and the love of God, and it changing our hearts. Um, and so I have a little homework for all of us, but don't worry, it's classwork. I'm not gonna send you home. So if you have a little scrap of paper, a little piece of paper, a notebook or something, I would invite you to write down which group you feel like you identify with. Maybe it's the first group and you feel like I was there in time and God's love has given me identity. And, but sometimes I know my pride can get in the way. Sometimes I know it's my pride can block God's love. Or maybe you feel like you're in the third group, in the middle group where, sorry, the middle group, where you are a little late to the party. You don't always get things right, but God's love gives you permission. But sometimes you struggle with failure and wanting to give up and not even try anymore. Maybe you're in that group, in the middle group. Or maybe you're in the last group. And for you, I, you feel at one, someplace hurt or wounded or just overlooked. No one believed in you. No one hired you. No one saw that you have what it got, what you, what it, what you need. Sorry. <laughs> maybe you're in that last group. And that wound is keeping you back from knowing the love of God. So whatever group, or maybe there's something else that you just feel like, man, if I can know God in this way. So I just ask you to write down which group you feel that you belong to. Um, in a little bit, I, I'm going to pray and close, but um, I want to ask you if you would ask God this question. God, who are you entrusting your heart, who is it on your heart that you're entrusting to me? Who is it? And who do you love? Who does God, who does God love? If you ask God that question, God, who do you love? Who are you sending me to? How can I show God's love to this person? just like to pray and invite the Holy Spirit to come and open our eyes and our ears to hear. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this wonderful group of people that we have. And Lord, I just, I ask that your love would come in our hearts in ways we hadn't expected, in, in ways we don't know, Lord. And, that you would move through us and flow through us, Lord, to, to reach the people of the nations, Lord. Lord, I ask that you would specifically show us who is on your heart. Who is it that you've entrusted to each one of us? Lord, who do you love? Who is it that you are calling out to? God, I ask that you would give each person your heart, that you would entrust to each one of us your heart.
also ask this week, if you, if you would so wish, Lord, that you would use us to reach those that you love. We thank you, God, for your goodness and for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that your grace, your grace is good, and your grace abounds, and your grace, there, it can never run out, Lord, and it covers us. We thank you for your love, and we're going to run after it, Lord, and we're going to pursue the more of you. so much the take. I honestly, I've never seen that parable in that way. I appreciate the way in which Sarah presented it, that God meets us at different stages in life uh, for each one of us, whether we're, we're an early to the party kind of person, uh, you know, like we're a rule keeper and we're going to jump in right away. We heard this, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it all my heart. Or for some, we go a little bit late and some Things haven't worked out right, and we become a bit resentful and blame others, but God still pursues us with his love. I'm so grateful for the way in which she presented it. I want to actually take some time and think through that passage afresh and see what God might be saying to me personally. Uh, Not that I haven't already in the midst of it, but uh, I'm really grateful for the take that God gave Sarah to present to us today. So, would you stand with me? No matter where you are on the spectrum, Matthew chapter 20, the parable of the vineyardman, portrays something of God's heart for all of us, wherever we find ourselves. Whether you're new to the party, been around a long time, or maybe you've been around and you've fallen backwards, God still pursues you with his love. It's not about an angry God. It's not about getting it perfect. It's about a loving God who desires relationship with us. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would continue by your Holy Spirit to prick our hearts with the word that you brought forth to us today through your servant, sir. Thank you for her life that has been lived for you and the way in which you have gifted her uniquely to be able to present things in the way that she does with the kind of thinking and the processing she does. I thank you for that, Father. And I pray that that which has been heard would have been heard from ears that want to hear and want to apply it to our lives. I pray, God, that you would continue to move upon us, that we would recognize that you are pursuing us in your love. And the more we know your love, the deeper our identity in you becomes. Let that be our testimony, I pray. And as we go from this house, help us to see people in a similar way. Though some maybe come from rougher backgrounds, that they've done things of their own making, or maybe things have been done to them by circumstance. 
They're not as polished, but nonetheless, God, give us your love for each one. Lord, use us as workers in your vineyard, I pray. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. The Lord bless you. Have a great day.